Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 250 engaging programs online. GCU integrates the free market system and its welcoming Christian worldview perspective into its academic programs and throughout its online campus. GCU's online students received over $144 million in scholarships in 2021. Visit gcu.edu myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Hey, and what's up, everybody? Welcome in GC Live Monday episode of the show. Very special episode as we are live from Prama Gourmet here in West Columbia. Um, a Primal Gourmet, Chris, a longtime sponsor, I guess you could say, on GamecockCentral.com. Uh, now we're bringing you the word of what Primal Gourmet is all about here on GC Live as well. And uh, the, the short version, we're going to get the long version of it a little bit later on for Greg, but the short version of what Primal Gourmet is, it is chef-prepared meal prep meals that basically, if you want to, you can come in the cafe if you want and get one meal, but if you're like me, you're trying to eat more healthy, you uh, maybe have special dietary needs, you need more protein, whatever it may be, but you still want it to be good and you don't want to use your entire Sunday to meal prep yourself. Promo Gourmet is your spot. They have to pick up, what, twice a week, twice I believe week Jen said. Uh, and uh, you can actually, you'll see people rolling it right behind us. They have a huge array of meals available right here in the cafe. Again, we're in West Columbia. If you want to come say what's up, we're at 725 Meeting Street, West Columbia, South Carolina, 29169. Uh, very easy to find us We're on the main highway here. Come on by, say what's up, and um, come talk some ball with us. That's what we're going to be doing right now is talking some Gamecock football. And uh, Chris, and we're going to tell him about Clint Hammond here in a second, but Chris, first and foremost, the game on Saturday um, exemplifies the idea of a ugly loss is always better than a pretty win because that right. you know Ch- Shane Beamer within his first sentence talking about this game on the teleconference and the press conference is like we will always 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 celebrate wins yeah. but good grief there's a lot to clean up so you have sort of this little dichotomy right here of it it was not pretty We'll be completely honest. Nobody is sugarcoating saying it was pretty. But wins always beat the alternative, and there is a lot. I watched a pretty good bit of ball on Saturday, man. There were a lot of games that were close involving Power 5-type programs versus either lower-tier lower tier programs or, or FCS. I mean, look at Florida State, man. I mean, the, there's a lot of people that – would be would love to be sitting at two and zero right now, like South Carolina is, even if it wasn't pretty. Was not pretty, but a win is a win, and, and you know Shane Beamer's right. It has always caused 
to celebrate when you're able to go and win, win on the road? Was it frustrating to some degree, the mistakes that we saw again in week two, the lack of offensive output? Sure. There are also things to celebrate. Number one, first and foremost, being 2-0, and however you get there, always cause to celebrate. Better than the alternative of being 1-1 one and one heading into Georgia, Kentucky, your SEC slate. We know that this team is going to have to scratch and claw and fight to get to where it's maximizing its potential. What did they have to do in order to do that? Win the first two weeks, and that's what they've done. So, uh, yeah, tons to clean up. Tons to be frustrated about, but, but the ultimate goal is to win football games, and that's exactly what they've done, Wes. So, uh, yeah, th- there's a there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to dissect within the game on Saturday, and I'm sure we'll do that. Man, an exciting game. Here's a stat that I rolled out earlier. Insider report this morning. Had to go back and do some research. The last time that South Carolina came back from 14 points down and won a game – the football game, the Outback Bowl against Michigan, January 1st, 2018. That was the last time it happened. Before that, Wes, you had to go back to 2014 on the road against Vanderbilt. Commodores went up 14-0. Carolina went on and won that one pretty comfortably. So, again, another cause to celebrate. A come-from-behind victory has not happened a lot. So, no matter the competition, the circumstances, they got it done. That game feels like it was two decades ago that that outback win you're talking about. I like, think it was. It seems. <laughs> and by the way, we're 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 reversed. And yeah. Jamie says I reversed the the saying. So, I obviously I don't know what I said. What I meant was an ugly win is always better than a pretty loss. I don't yeah. know if I said it right. Or right. right. But uh, <laughs> y'all know what I meant. And I some people were sitting here talking about oh they're late they're late. You know we're always a couple minutes late y'all. Like it's that's the beauty of a podcast. We can start really whenever we want. So, and by the way, tomorrow, as y'all know, tomorrow will probably be maybe two thirty ish because Shane Beamer presser day always on Tuesday. Um, that's at one fifteen to about one forty five, but we have to take time to get home, get set up, and, and all that good stuff. So, again, this show is as always presented by. We are at Promodore May, but as always, we're presented by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com, eight zero three seven seven one. 6933. Uh, Clint, the presenting sponsor of this show, can be found at chammond at mortgagenetwork.com or um, 803 422 6797. If you want to shoot Clint a text and uh, ask him what he thought about the game, go ahead and do that. In, in MLS number 71597. Again, uh, appreciate Clint, our presenting sponsor, each and every day. You see, a, uh, it's actually a lot going on behind us here. Folks grabbing lunch at Promagor Made. Again, you have sort of this little. It's interesting. You can just come by and get lunch if you want, or you can go with the meal packs, and and really you have a, a lot of different options every single week. And we were able to take a tour and see that they're literally you got people in there preparing the meals as we speak. Uh, getting into the game, and I, I see a lot of comments. By the way, if um, if y'all were throwing questions in the chat before uh, we got started, maybe help us out. Just throw them back in there. We will try to get to them, but. Uh, Chris, <laughs> where 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 do you, you don't even know where do you start know. in this game? I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna like just throw it at you yeah. and say what what is your other than what we've already said? What is, what is your second thought on this game? Yeah, well, I, I was gonna say if you were asking me my first one, it would have been what I said: the come from behind nature of this win, despite playing 
I, I'm sure there's a universe in which South Carolina could have played worse on offense in the first half. But no one wants to see that. You know, you don't want to see it. Not not much worse, right? So to, to go and win, despite those circumstances, was, was certainly a positive. There are so many storylines to dig into. I, I'll go here though, defensively. South Carolina starts off as poor as possible. You give up a touchdown on the very first play of the game. I did have the feeling of, is this going to be one of those games? You know, it's almost like the kiss of death, Wes, when a team returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. The other team always seems to win. I thought, well, maybe that will happen here. We'll see. They do that. Other than that, the only other touchdown by East Carolina late in the game, you know, they had prime field position at that point. They were able to go and score. Um, East Carolina didn't do a whole heck of a lot after that. Um, and that was despite, you know, some skill guys where you were worried about that matchup a little bit. We knew the quarterback could run. He could deliver the football. Defensive line needed to be the difference in this game, and I think they were. You know, throughout the game and specifically down the stretch, the front six, I think you could say, that the, the four linemen and then the two true linebackers, Brad Johnson and Sherrod Green, Devontae Staley when he came in was impactful. Those guys needed to, as you say, eat – and they did. We we said, and not that it was hard. Not that this was hard to to really spot after watching the ECU's first game, watching South Carolina, and what we just knew about South Carolina coming in. It was not hard to make that call that the D line needs to have have a good day. But it, it and they, on a day that some things didn't play out the way we necessarily thought they would, uh, the defensive line. And not, I think the difference right now, Chris, it's not just JJ Anibare. It is a team effort up front. Um, Aaron Sterling having a great day. Jordan Strong continues to uh, look the part. I feel like all the guys on the interior play pretty well. And even, I think this is a front four right now. Where even sometimes it's not, it's not showing up in the stat sheet. It's like I, I look at the stats. Uh, Taka Hemingway doesn't really stand out as far as the numbers, but then. Oh, there's a play where Tonka's in the backfield forcing, um, you know, chasing the quarterback. And really, I, I thought um, they they were never really comfortable as far as their passing game goes because South Carolina was consistently in the backfield pretty much all game and uh, held their running game down as well. That, that was something, you know, when you put it in that category, we always talk about where this is sort of what you think, but you don't know until the game's come along. We've talked up this D-line a ton this offseason. And I think we were pretty sure they were going to be good as far as pass rushing goes. But there was that little thing in the back of my mind that kept remembering how much South Carolina struggled against the run last year. Well, again, not that ECU. You know, it's going to be another story as we move forward this week into this game. But definitely a step up in competition from last week. And we talked about them having two really good running backs. And this being a game where, you know, if ECU had been able to run the football with any type of consistency in this game, South Carolina loses this game because ECU had the lead early on. And I think if they were able to just sort of keep pounding away, the South Carolina offense would have never gotten all the opportunities they did with the football. So a pick six from the defense. Uh, You had Damani Staley pick six on your bingo card. Automatic winner, um, but uh, that that change. Let's give credit. That completely changed the entire uh, layout of this game. 
Um, and then the defense kept giving the offense chances. The offense in the first half, it was an absolute struggle. But the defense kept giving them chances. They didn't let that that big play at the beginning sort of carry over, I guess is the best way to say it. And, um, man, I, I'll let you talk on him. But Clayton White so far, uh, two for two as far as having his guys ready, having the guys just hustling to the football. And they look like they're having a good time as well. They are. You can tell they're having fun. He's cut them loose. You know, one of the things that we knew and we were told about Clayton White, once he got this job and you kind of dive in, okay, what does this defense look like? What's the identity going to be? The, the first, very first thing that I heard was he'll get creative on the third down, and we've seen that. Now, it helps to have the personnel that South Carolina has when you have two deep legitimately on your defensive line and your front four where you can go and do that. Um but we saw on third down they got creative. The play that Damani Staley got the pick six on. Well, I talked to Sherrod Golightly about it this morning, former Gamecock defender. We'll have a full piece on him tonight, tomorrow, breaking down some of those. But as a preview, Wes, you know, we would all we had all looked at that play as a screen to the running back. And, and maybe it was, but Sherrod's theory was that was a hot release for the quarterback. So he was trying to get rid of the ball because, if you remember, South kind of moved around a lot pre-snap. Uh, they stemmed, which means you, you give them, you know, you move. There was some confusion. The O-line was confused. Aaron Sterling came completely free. And that caused a quick throw by the quarterback, went off the chest, Damani's right place, right time, game-changing play. So it's plays like that. I think you look at the individual progression of guys like Darius Rush, who had an interception. Great technique on that interception. Um, you look at Cam Smith's pro- progression in terms of his own field play. Brad Johnson has been a revelation at Will Linebacker. Those guys look fun. They look like they're they're just playing fast and loose. So they're still making some mistakes. Sure. And, and those will be exposed by a Georgia or some of the better competition. Uh, but they're playing well with largely the same personnel that they had last season. Yeah, uh, Damani Staley sticks around, super senior, has an opportunity when the ball comes his way, and, and he knew what to do. He, he made the play. He was actually in on um, a couple of other tackles that I noticed. In I, I know in your snap count, he didn't play a ton 12 at snaps. All. Yeah. But uh, talk about being efficient with your 12 <laughs> right. snaps. I mean, right. good grief. Um, Damani with a day, man. Like yeah. uh, good And good for him. Stuck around. Had, you know, it has has had some tough moments at times, I think, on the field. And um, obviously that was a, uh, a day he'll probably never forget, uh, you know, for him. And, and, and a lot of guys, man, you know, I, I think I my mind on Sunday as I was replaying the game kept going back to Josh Van as well. Oh, and yeah. um, you remember what we talked about on Thursday or Friday, we were wondering aloud, is, uh, is Josh going to be able to sort of, Will he be able to have one of those games where he sort of takes it to another level now that he had a, a positive start to the season? And what are going to be proper expectations for Josh? Is it going to be like he catches 30 balls this year and it's just a solid option? Or he could he truly be in the process of becoming South Carolina's go-to wide receiver before our very eyes? And it, it's kind of funny with these things, man. It's like you, it, it almost is like – it just happens, and then you, you look back, and it's people. Almost, you're almost like, well, that, we always knew that was going to happen. Or once it happens, it's like sort of easy to see. But until you actually see it happen, um, 
you know, you, you just never know which direction a guy is going to go. And for Josh, I thought that was another for, – forget the fumble at the goal line. That was, you know, great play by that defender. And um, But Josh has been getting open. He's been catching the football. He, he had an ever-so-slight move of the football. Yeah. Which everybody in the chat is talking about the officiating. By, by the rule – I guess that's an incomplete pass. But for a hundred years of, of playing football, like by, by your eyes, like he caught the football. Right. In my opinion. Right. He caught the football. But we're, we're talking about Josh from like what this means for a big picture standpoint. I thought it was an outstanding day for, for Josh Van because he gave South Carolina a receiver threat that was consistently getting open. So um, good for Josh Van. I know it was a it was a huge day in his mind as well, but the biggest thing for me, dude, is that's something he can build off of yeah. moving forward. Josh Van may be rounding into South Carolina's top receiver um, as we speak. Well, and you said before the season he needed something good to happen early, and, and we've seen that happen the first couple of weeks. Some flashes against Eastern Illinois, and now this thing. Now he had, you know. The first, the fumble right at the goal line, and then the second one that was wiped off the board. But he made some big plays. Remember his catch down the sideline. Um, he made some huge plays in this game, and he's taken his game to that level where it's not just flashes anymore, right? He's able to make some consistent plays. You can tell just by his demeanor on the field that he has gained so much confidence. Um, I remember preseason before, you know, as they were opening camp, Josh's one of his media his quotes to the media was, you know, it's nice to be counted on again. And we saw in this game that the staff basically called his number and said, We're going to Josh and he was able to deliver. So good for him. Yeah, he, he did. And uh, you know, I think Josh looks to me what you saw Saturday is what I thought Josh Van was gonna be when South Carolina signed him. Yeah. Going back to, to what we saw at camp. Watching his film in high school as well, um, that's the guy we were pretty sure South Carolina was getting, and it's taken a little bit of time for it all to click. And uh, even with all the positivity we heard about him in camp uh, this year, you sort of just you wanted to make sure you wanted to see it in person, right? You want to see it against a real opponent. But um, credit Josh Van for buying into Beamer's philosophy, the coaching change, and uh, you know. Justin Stepp has done a phenomenal job with him, and um, you know I, I think just you, you gotta you gotta give a little extra kudos to the guys that stick it stick around, go through some tough times, don't just leave, and um, and then you see it paying off. So uh, you know, good for Josh Van, and I, I think we're we're seeing the beginning of something that could be uh, a really big year for for Josh Van. If I had told you changing gears, if I had told you that South Carolina would, at the end of the day, take over with its running backs on the final drive of the game for a game-winning score. And I gave you four guesses. At what point would you have guessed Juju McDowell as being the guy? <laughs> four. Same, same, <laughs> yeah. same. But it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, almost, it's almost funny that um, – you never quite know which guy on a given day is going to sort of find a little something that works. And 
Juju has the big kickoff return. Yeah. Huge, and huge. you know, and we I think we were I think we were both sort of even, you know, as much as you want to see the carry on get his chance for turning kicks, I think we all were kind of like, you know, Juju McDowell could make an impact at kickoff return. He gets his chance, has a huge kickoff return. And then um, dude, this kid we knew was explosive. He's very, very patient yeah. on those outside runs at letting his blocks develop and then knowing when to use his explosiveness to get north and south. And, um, you know, the staff, I, I think probably just for like, it's working. Don't, don't change it now. Up, you know, yeah. don't change it now. Right. Well, he was, he was a revelation in the game. And I think I'll tell you, you know, how every now and then, and it doesn't always turn out to be right, but, you know, you're watching a game, watching it play out. And I, I specifically remember having a thought when East Carolina was about to kick off saying, they need a spark here. I wonder if they give Juju a chance and just roll and see what happens. And sure enough, see the ball kick. Well, there's Juju McDowell. We'll see what happens. Well blocked play. He gets the seam uh, or gets the edge and is able to, you know, put them in prime position to then go drive down. If you gain tying field goal, Kai Kroger, amazing job holding that one, getting the laces out. No interruption at all in Parker White's stride. Was able to hit that one cleanly. So that was a huge sequence. And then, yeah, going to him on the last drive, it was really something else. Um, you know, they, they hit him with that outside, that kind of stretch zone play. And you're right, great patience. Uh, I remember the one around the right side that kind of finished things off and got him in position. Zeb Nolan, as soon as he saw it, kind of put his hand up because he knew it was a good play. Nick Hughes did a great job blocking on the edge on that one. So, uh Man, I mean, whether it's pass protection, uh, where he had some nice, you know, able to hold up a linebacker, kick return, running back, led the running back room in snaps. Hard to have seen that coming, but this is a kid that, you know, everybody knew had, a, had ability. And an example, one of those guys that we heard buzz about in the preseason that ended up, you know, coming to, to fruit on Saturday. Yeah, and uh, really the, the only true freshman right now that is making, obviously – this is a very small class as far yeah. as true freshmen go, but uh, but Juju is the true freshman right now, making a, a big impact. Obviously, there's transfers and stuff like that that are, that are making plays. But Juju, the guy, you know, I did my little red shirt before today, and um, it's interesting. He's the one as far as the freshman class that is making an impact so far. And we we heard we all heard his name. We heard his teammates mention him all preseason, but even then. We've seen that happen in the past where a, a freshman comes in and we hear all about him. It's something completely different to go into the game and make that same impact. So uh, so good for him. By the way, uh, we, we have to it, – it's almost it's almost kind of expected. We still have to throw a lot of love to Parker White, man. Like Parker has uh, – Parker, you know, I remember early on – Parker gets the job. Wasn't really even expected that he was going to win the kickoff job in the very at the very beginning of his career. If you want to go back 10, 15 years ago when he arrived at South Carolina, um, you know, but he has carved out a really nice career at South Carolina, and um, is just so comfortable. I think now. Did you see the tweet from Steve Fink? Which one? So Steve Fink tweeted today. He's like, I, you know, never had a doubt. Knew, uh, he's like, I knew Parker was ready and relaxed when um, 
for, for the big kick when I walked through by the bench with about three minutes to go, and Parker was like, hey, what's that Ohio State-Oregon um, score? <laughs> so, so Parker – Yeah, Parker at this point I feel like is just – he's that veteran guy that, you know, has been around the league. He's like the veteran kicker that's been in the NFL for 12 or 13 years. You know, by then it's just like – I'm good, guys. Just whatever. whatever. Like yeah. if mo- most college, most college kickers are in a bad place having to make that kick. I feel like, and uh, with him, it's just he he has a process yeah. that works for him, and it's just about executing. And again, uh, you got to give credit to it. the the snap and the hold. I think were really good on the yeah. on the final kick. It was the one before that, as you said, Kai Kroger. <laughs> Um, who has received praise, by the way, from Pete Limbo coming yeah. in for being an excellent holder. That stuff gets lost a lot of times, but we do not want it to get lost here because that, uh, that that's huge. Who knows what happens if South Carolina doesn't tie it up right there? Yeah, not just, you know, you always think about, you know, securing the bad snap, not dropping it. But, again, I, I think the key to it is he corralled the high snap, got it down, and got it spun where there was absolutely no interruption in Parker White's process or stride. I mean, it, it was it was just as if it was a perfect snap in terms of what Parker had to do. So that's all you can ask for. People don't notice that unless it goes bad. But uh, it was a that was just as big of a play in the game as the carry on joiner snagging that touchdown. You know, yeah. to tie the game and the throw by Zeb Nolan. Um, how, how about Joiner bouncing back too, man? I mean, yeah, that was good to see for him. He. He he was pressing, I think, in uh in week one, and has had a great off season. We all know that, but didn't have a great game one. Call it like it is, but then bounced back, made some plays. I still say he was down on that fumble, and I I still don't I don't know. You don't think so? Yeah, I was I was going with the other call that could have been made. Um, the targeting. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So. He, on the fumble, he was down, in my opinion. And I don't understand how you overcall – and you st- you stick with that call, but you overcall the Josh Van uh, on two yeah. ticky-tack type plays. But the officiating, I know people – I don't want to get into the officiating. Let's, let's just agree it was just bad. It was bad. It was all bad. <laughs> but that is far for the – there's a bad officiating everywhere in every sport right now. But um, your, your thoughts on the carry-on, having a, a good bounce that day. Yeah, good to see. And uh, I, I thought that um, you know for him to for him to snag that touchdown on a ball, he had to go up and grab it. That was good to see. He looked more comfortable in this game. You know, the quarterback snaps that he took still haven't gotten anything going there. I think we should get into that later in the show, Wes, at some point. Kind of, hey, what what's going on with offense? What's going on with the blocking up front? What's going on there specifically with the run game? But he does look more comfortable, and hopefully, he can you know keep building on that. Yeah, they've uh, they they. I'm gonna go ahead and, and preview this. They got to find a way to fix the running game. They got to yep. find a way to fix what's going on with the offensive line because, like like we always like we talked about earlier, you think you know what it's gonna be for a team. It doesn't always play out the way we think. We thought the D line it was gonna be what they are right now. Check mark. They have been right through two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you could ask much more. Right. Offensive line has not been in any way what we thought, and that includes um, 
what we were hearing, like what we were just hearing behind the scenes. And, even, you know, Satterfield said, hey, this this offensive line is going to need to carry this offense. So um, it, it has not been what we thought at all. So that, that's something we've got to get into a little bit more as the show goes on. Um, while I get this set up for Greg here at uh, Primal, you want to tell everybody about Dead Soxy? Yeah, let's tell everybody about Dead Soxy here. So, of course, we're partnered once again in the 2021 season with Dead Soxy. That's D E A D S O X Y.com. Go there, check out the sewer line of college socks. You, if you're on YouTube or one of our streams, you see them up there in the top left corner. College line uh, dress socks, athletic socks, no shows, soft feel. Patented, no slip technology. Go to deadsoxy.com, D E A D S O X Y.com. 25% off your entire order with promo code Cotton. All right. There you go, Wes. All right, here we go. All right, let's get set up here. By the way, we're live um, at Promo Gourmet, West Columbia. We're joined now by Greg Martin. Greg, the owner here at Promo Gourmet, and uh, also. A big Gamecock fan too, so yeah, yes, yeah. so we're we're gonna get we're gonna get you to talk about what you have going on here, but then you're gonna be our fan perspective of the week oh, here as well. So um, don't send out my email. Okay, we, we I will say this: when we get your thoughts on the game, we do try to keep it a little bit clean. So as far as your your thoughts on how it played out, um, you know, we'll, uh, we win is a win. We're okay. We're okay this week. Yeah, there, there you go. So, but first of all, um, we were telling them a little bit about Promo Gourmet earlier. You can tell them better than anybody. Um, my, I said, look, these are chef-created meal prep meals. If, uh, you're, if you're like us, you're trying to eat better, but you still want it to taste good. Um, that, that's my summary. How did yeah. I do? <laughs> Pretty good. I mean, that's that's the point, right? So, yeah. you know, like, everybody's like, oh, I need to eat healthier. I don't have time to cook. I don't know how to cook. Um, cooking is scary. Uh, what do you do to eat right? Well, everybody knows they're not supposed to eat fast food every day. So how do we get healthy food fast? And that's kind of where the idea came up with. But also, you know, there's only so many times you can eat grilled chicken breast. Yeah. So, like, what do you do? Like, you got to put a new flavor on it. You got to do another spin on it. So that's where we come in because there's, including myself, four former executive chefs of other restaurants that work here. So there's a lot of talent that's developing flavors that you're going to appreciate. So everything from barbecue to Mexican to Italian Mediterranean to African, you know, you name it, we'll do it all. But it's all about whole fresh food and making it taste good so you want to come. And who knows what we're going to do next. You know, every week's new, a whole new menu every week. And, uh, of course, we keep the favorites, but just try to keep things interesting so you can come back every week and you got a new option to try. So. It's only so many times you go to Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> so tell, tell us about, you know, you have several different ways that people can get your food. You can come in here at your West Columbia location, get food right off the line. You can get food back here at the market to take home with you, prepared stuff. Uh, you also have the delivery program, right? Tell us a little bit about the different options. So there's really three ways that we offer what we do. So obviously there's the market come in and, and you know, between the line, kind of Chipotle style, the market, which is kind of like a miniature, like local artisan market, fresh produce, dry goods that, you know, things we make. Uh, but also we do a, you know, you can go on our website and pre-order packs of meals that are different each week. And those can be delivered to your home or to your gym. 
Uh, we deliver to most of the gyms around town, uh, you know, and that's a no charge to have it dropped off at your gym. And then for a small fee, just like anybody else, you know, you can have it delivered to your home. Uh, and then the third thing is we do a homebound program that started for seniors, but it's really open for anybody. So new mothers, somebody maybe going to rehab, coming out of the hospital, you know, anybody that might benefit from having just prepared food at home that's healthy, you know, we, we offer that as well. So it's just kind of a different style than our normal meal packs, a little more home cooking, if that makes sense, you know. Yep. So if, if you're if you're terrified at some of the unusual looking things that you might see on the meal packs, <laughs> yeah, you know we're gonna have your lasagna and your uh, you know your chicken tenders and things like that on the other menu. So I understand uh, y'all have a lot of former Gamecocks from time to time just drop by. Just uh, I imagine if you're a current athlete or a former athlete, uh, this is a great way to kind of get your fill, but but mix it up a little bit as well. You know it's funny. I, I might have told you the story before or maybe not um my first official customer was marcus latimore and uh he showed up the day before i opened and the door was open and i turned around and i just stared at marcus latimore you know five years ago and i'm like uh can i help you like you know but you know ever since then i mean i mean I, i'm honestly I, I mean i know george rogers you know langston moore is a good regular preston thorne we see him all the time we see andy boyd all the time because his wife is my general manager, you know, but I mean, and, and, you know, we got just a number of, you know, the big boys like uh, Cody Gibson that used to play on the line when he comes in pretty regular. He's, you know, six, six, he's got a bit of an appetite. So we're happy to have him. But, I mean, we've, we've seen tons, you know, and, and we love that for me. I love that because, you know, this is my home team. This is my team. I love seeing those guys. Come in. So Wes, we have our promo code live. Do we have our banner right now? Don't think we have our banner, but it's GCOC20. So if you go to the Primal Gourmet website, primalgourmetsc.com, promo code GCOC20, that'll get you a discount off your first order with Primal Gourmet, meal pack, delivery, all that good stuff. All right, so Greg, you mentioned the wins of win. Tell us about the game Saturday. Give us your fan perspective on what you saw. I'm going to be honest. I. I, I had a bad feeling, and I did not turn on the TV until halftime. And uh, based on what I saw on Facebook, I was like, yeah, that was, that was the right choice. Great decision. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that, that's exactly what happened. So at halftime, I was like, all right, well, let's see how they do. And, uh, you know, that, I think uh, obviously the, the line kind of did a little better job, I think, in the second half. Um, you know, but uh, – uh, <laughs> but uh, – you know, I, I think the defense played really well throughout most of the game, um, and obviously there's a lot of potential there. I think they just couldn't get their ducks in a row until halftime. But, uh, you know, it, uh, Zeb seemed to throw the ball well in the second half compared to the first half. Um, but I think there's a lot to, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, obviously that's got to be one of the better running back rooms in the SEC on those. That's a, that's a lot of depth. I don't think we've ever had four realistic – you know, good running backs at a time ever. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're up. So we, we talked we talk a lot on the show about how last year among the fan base, the hope was kind of just – the hope was gone. Um, forget about this particular game. How, how as a Gamecock fan, has your sort of excitement been this offseason maybe compared to the last couple of years and, and what Beamer's trying to do at South Carolina? I think – and I think his 
Uh, I think uh, just exuding positivity is something that I've noticed. Like, yeah, everything's staying positive, keeping everything in front of you. And I think that's, I think that's a just a big switch from the Muschamp era, where it was like everybody's got to go to work with their lunch pail, you know, and everything. And there's no fun being had. And I think there's a lot to take away from the fact that you know I think he's trying to make things a little more fun for the for the kids. And that's who they are after all. So I, I think, and maybe that's helping a little bit, helping those guys gel. Where I think something that we saw the last two years at Muschamp was just that we're never going to be on the same page when it matters, you know. Like, and I think that that might be something that's going to change with Beamer and, and his attitude and his personality becoming part of the team. But I was excited. I mean, you know, it's been a long time. It feels like since we had something to be excited about. You know, I've, I've been going to the home games for. 20 years and and you know i think we've all experienced the lows and the highs and everything and the, and the, the 0 and 11 and, and everything so you know i think i think we've hit a point where we we're not still expecting the steve spurrier 2010 to 2013 yeah. execution yeah. yet i think everybody's you know got some more realistic standards than we did maybe six years ago for our team but the sky's the limit i mean these Kids look great out there, so I'm I'm in for the future, and I'm I'm ready to go see these teams play. Kentucky game just announced today as a 7 p.m. kickoff. Will you be there? You going to Kentucky? Oh yeah, I'll be there. If you see a Primo Gourmet flag, I fly one at every game, just in case anybody wanted to stop by and have chicken salad. Okay. (laughs) So I was gonna before we let you run. I know you got a lot to do. We're gonna keep breaking down the game here, but any anybody who is going to Immediately after the show, go to PrimalGourmetSC.com and order their first meal kit. Any recommendations? I know you change the menu a lot, but any recommendations? What's your, what's your first your time? Yeah, what's your favorite? What's your good first time break-in? I'll, I'll tell you, probably the number one meal combination. I mean, we don't keep track of it, but I can. I think most of our kids can tell you. Uh, jerk chicken thighs with mac and cheese and collard greens is definitely the favorite. I know mac and cheese doesn't sound healthy, but hey, I, I don't tell people what to order, so we, we, just, <laughs> we just provide quality food that tastes great. But I think my personal favorite is I make a little bowl with jasmine rice, those jerk thighs, put a little barbecue sauce on it, um, marinated cubes and tomatoes, slaw, and kale salad, and just have a little fire and ice, hot and cold lunch, and uh, feel free to start buying that and make my kids work hard. You know, they're here waiting for you. There you go. And, and we've had the – I had the jerk chicken. You had it last time too. Incredible. That was great. Great we recommendation. We go through about 1,000 pounds of chicken thighs a week just for that. Just it's, for that. it's great stuff. So, again, PrimalGourmetSC.com. Promo code is GCOC20. Get a discount off of your very first order. Greg, appreciate Thanks. you having yeah. us out here. Really enjoyed talking yep. to you. Yeah, enjoyed Thank talking you. to you. While, we're, while we were talking, there's a uh, former gay guy behind us, Mr. Preston Thorne, saying what's up, everybody. Right, right on cue. Right on. Right on cue. He comes in. Um, Chris, uh, let, let's let's switch gears. We talked about it briefly a second ago. Um, offensive line, man. I, yeah. I, <laughs> It, it just has not been what, what we expect. So I, I think not that you just panic if you're South Carolina, because you don't you don't want to panic at this point. But do, uh, are you, is it already at the point where you guys start thinking about tweaks, whether that is getting somebody else in a position, whether it is uh, tweaking the scheme, whether it is uh, not necessarily. 
when I say tweak the scheme, I don't mean you just throw everything out. Diversifying the scheme a little bit, adding new wrinkles. Obviously, I I say eight quarters, we've seen enough to know that something is just not quite where we expected it to be. Even I don't know if that's fair or not, but it but I, I think it's true. Yeah, because I think what's happening and, and it's very fair. You look at eight quarters of Eastern Illinois and East Carolina. Now, East Carolina, a lot quicker up front than EIU, but not an SEC defensive line, not Georgia, <laughs> not Kentucky, not not a lot of these teams. And so when you see that and you see some of the issues, and to me, Wes, it boils down to a few different things. It's never as easy as the O-line stinks. You know, you don't – That is, it's not that simple. So one thing is South Carolina does not have – a passing attack that makes it to where defenses have to be very aware of it. Right now, defenses can single cover receivers and dedicate a lot of bodies, a lot of energy up front, whether that's run blitzing, devoting more people in the box. Automatically there, you're going to be at a disadvantage sometimes because then you're able to send more guys than the O-line can block. You can't ask your guard to block two guys at once. It just doesn't work. Simple math. Um, So when you can overload that much, that hurts you. And part of that goes back to the passing attack. But I would say to your question about tweaks, diversification, I think so. I think we've seen South Carolina probably needs to try some different things schematically in the run to free it up. Now, it's not going to only be that. They are going to have to get some semblance of a a more consistent passing attack going. I think Luke Doty's return could help because he's going to be able to get involved in the running game, get involved in the passing game with being able to scramble around by some time. We can't discount that at all. But it is something you have to take a hard look at because if you struggle with it against EIU and ECU, you can't then reasonably say, I think Georgia's a good way to fix it. It's just not, it's just not right, how it goes. All right, Preston, you want to say what's up to everybody? Or you got to go? You, you want to sit for a second? Or you got to go? <laughs> Everybody, what's up? Preston Thorne here, former Gamecock. We had to steal him for one second. Preston, give me your quick thoughts. I need they can hear your thoughts every day. 1075, sure. June to one, right? Sure. Sure. Um thoughts on the game and uh direct them to, to come hear some more tomorrow. Man, big win. Huge win. I I, I said it. I don't think we can overstate how big that win was for the program. We had to get that done. And I said earlier on the radio today, I think that was a the fashion in which we won really might pay benefits off as the season for along because we haven't seen a team pull out a kind of a gutsy type of win like that in a while. We haven't right. seen that. And I, I thought that was really, really impressive to see and gave me something to look forward to in the future for sure. If you're in that locker room after just sort of an ugly – one of those days where you feel like, man, nothing is going right, but you still find a way, What what is it – what do you think it was like in that locker room after the game from your experience as well? I think it's that game where you start believing what the coaches are saying. It's true. Because coaches preach stuff all the time and they tell you things. And maybe you believe it or not, but when it actually works, and now you're like, oh, okay, this is what they're talking about. So now next week when the coaches are probably going to get on, there's a lot of stuff that they need to correct. You take those corrections a little bit more to heart because you see the, you see evidence that it worked. Tough matchup this week. <laughs> to say the least. Any initial thoughts? They're very good. Um, I watched them watch the Clemson game. They have a very strong up front, front four. Um, 
up, I do think that's the strength of our team also. Yeah. And not to say they struggled running the ball a little bit against UAB, but they didn't move the way I thought they would. So if there's a slight advantage that we might have, I might be the off front four against that offensive line. So we'll see how it goes. 175 every day. Yes, sir. Noon to one. Yes, sir. With Pearson. That's Preston Thorne. Appreciate you, man. Always this was, time, this was man. not planned. He's a, you, you come here. Man, so I'm, here, I'm here every Monday. We get the milk. We get the uh, pasteurized eggs. It's great food here. I come here every week. There it is. Preston Thorne. Appreciate you, man. Sure, man. Thanks, Preston. Yeah, good to see, see you, man. man. Yeah, have a good one, dude. Yeah. Right, man, hit me up, man. Yeah, I will, man. All Definitely. Right. Uh, you too, dude. That was, uh, that was not planned at all. The perfect timing from Preston and uh, good stuff from him, man. Um, I, I've seen that take from a couple people that – and I, I did not watch Georgia UAB game yet. I, I always try to go watch the next opponent at some point Tuesday, Wednesday, heading into the game. So I will watch that game. Um, I've seen that take from a couple people online that Georgia's running game didn't just overwhelm UAB the way you may expect. So, I don't, did you watch that game yet? Didn't get to, I watched a little bit of it. Did okay, not get so to watch that, it that may be some. We're, we're not going to dive into that right now. We got a full. We got four days to get into the Georgia game, <laughs> right. but um, maybe something to keep an eye on. And and what will be the biggest test for South Carolina's front so far this year by a lot. So we'll see, but. Um, Let's go back to Carolina's offensive line. I, I look at last year, and I, I know, I know last year is like a it's a sore spot for a lot of people for a lot of reasons, uh, rightfully so. Yeah. But the running game was able to find success, and and I, I will say this, man, uh, there it was kind of a hit or miss running game, in my opinion. It wasn't a running game that always just grinded out four yards here, five yards here, five yards. It was, at times, no gain, no gain, 60-yard gain, Kevin Harris. <laughs> right. Two-yard gain, two-yard gain, 25-yard gain. You know, and and to an extent, maybe that's true for a lot of running games, but I, I feel like there was like a – I remember the SEC StatCast stuff showed South Carolina had it like as many – or more explosive plays than anybody in the league. But also they had as many, like, non-successful running plays yeah. as anybody in the league. So it was very hit or miss. This year, through two games, there haven't been – you know, you had, what, the 63-yarders, Andre White, week one. Um, There's a couple little gash plays in that game as well um, for, for first downs. But not – there weren't the big explosive run plays really – this past Saturday, and not at the extent we saw last year. Last year, man, I feel like we saw a lot of gap schemes where you're pulling guys, uh, you know, buck sweep to the outside or pin and pull, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. A lot of that stuff is related. The point being where you're pulling offensive linemen in order to try to create movement. And we talked a ton last year about the pros and cons of doing that and that you do create some openings for teams to knife into the backfield and create some negative plays. But also, if you can seal off a spot and pull that lineman through and, and actually time it outright, you create a chance for some big plays as well. Um, do we maybe see South Carolina try to implement some more of that? Is that an option? I think that's something to keep an eye on, man, because um, to me, they're going to have to they're going to have to just try some different things in the running game to see if they can't get. You got too much talent in the backfield and not try to do some different things to get them going. Yeah, true. And, and again, you know, the, I think the first sign, when we look back at it, 
the question coming out of the, the opener was, was it kind of an aberration that South Carolina didn't have more explosive runs? I, I remember saying at the time, that was the biggest surprise of, the, of that game to me was that Zaquandre White's long touchdown run. That was the long, the, really the only big, big, long, you know, explosive run. I would have felt there had been more, particularly given the personnel, right, the offensive line that returned. We didn't see it. So then it was, well, did that just kind of happen? It's kind of an aberration. Saw it again against the, the ECU. Well, we knew that would be a challenge in some ways and that they would do a lot of movement. They would devote a lot of people up front. But we saw it again. We, we saw some first down runs, but we didn't see any long explosive runs. Again, it's hard to say, okay, they'll just block it up and scheme it up better against Georgia, the same stuff, and it's going to all of a sudden start hitting. Not without a better passing attack. And, again, that's not going to happen in one week either. Not without making some tricks. So what what will it be? It probably needs to be something, and that remains to be seen. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that point, man. The, the running game or, or the O-line issues, whatever they may be, because it, and it's always – what like this combination of things um i did think the tight the tight ends and like the edge guys blocked very well down the stretch of the game saturday i thought um yep. but it it could be better this week and we might not even know because georgia's front just overwhelms a lot of people and that's sure so, what they need to be able to do in the passing game is to be, this is going to sound like a negative word. It's not serviceable. I mean, that, that's what they need to be. They need to feel like when you get to third and six that they're going to have a, a good chance against quality competition to go out there and complete a pass. Now, maybe, maybe over time that does develop for, for whatever reason, for a variety of reasons. Um, so far, it's not something you can count on. But we knew that the strength of this team coming in was going to be in two areas on offense specifically, or really three, tight ends, running backs, offensive line. All those, obviously, very, very involved in the running game. But that's been not nearly as explosive as we thought it would be. So that that's the key to unlocking this offense, the offense's potential, which is not to be a top-five offense in the SEC, but it is to be good enough to where South Carolina can score enough to be able to win some games that they're going to have a chance of winning this year. And the other side, if you're a Carolina fan, hoping that that defense can continue yeah. to keep you in games yeah, and right. give the offense enough chances to, to go uh, to go win a game like like they did late on Saturday, um, it, it'll be interesting, man. There's a lot of different things to work through here. I uh, and and along those same lines, man. I I wonder moving forward, getting a guy like Jaheim Bell more involved. Get, I, I see. I see a lot of comments in the chat when, when we came on board and they said, you know, the lack of involvement for the tight ends on this past Saturday, the lack of letting the carry on Joyner throw the football. And um, I, I agree with those notions. I also think when you, when you're in a game and you're just going like three and out or four and out, five, if you're not able to get into a rhythm, it's hard to get the different guys the football that you want. It's hard to even get to all the plays you want. Like, you have to kind of be able to stay on the field in order to get to the various things that you've planned all week to do, you know? Right. So, right now, I don't think there's a sense for exactly 
how to get these running backs in a rhythm because you're trying to give them all touches, which is admirable. Admirable, but how you know how many how many guys can actually um, how many guys can you actually get into the mix at running back and get into a rhythm in one game? And you know, and then it's kind of like, yes, I, I think, I think Jaheim Bell is a guy. If you just said, look, we're throwing the ball to zero today, Jaheim Bell could catch ten passes in a game, man. Like it's like he, when the ball has been near him, that dude has gone and got. He even takes it from his teammates sometimes too. <laughs> that, which I don't know what happened on that that deep yeah. ball where Jaheim and Josh were both going for it, and yeah. you never want guys that close together downfield. But Jaheim will go get the football. So I, I agree. I agree the carry-on needs to throw when, when they're in the wildcat at times. You need to put that in. I'm sure that's in the playbook. The thing is, you got to look at sort of the micro and the macro. The micro was on the very first wildcat play, the carry-on found some room, got forward. I think it was second and six, second and five. So then you say, oh, trying to establish the run. You call it again. And he gets hit in the backfield, loss of four. Now you're in like third or eight and nine. Mm-hmm. And now you have to bring on Zeb. Anytime, I don't know if I, I rarely feel like you see a quarterback come in for third down and it like work. Come it's off like, the bench. Yeah, come yeah. Off, yeah, it's like for third and long. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. So, point being, in the macro, you would say, They've got to throw with Joyner or something to loosen up the Wildcat, and you'd be 100% right. The micro of that situation was the first down run worked, and I think they were trying to get the running game into a rhythm. Yep. So, you know, I big picture, I didn't like the thought process uh, before the field goal to tie of running on third down on that play. But in that specific situation, I think South Carolina, with everything that had gone wrong <laughs> to this point, right. didn't want to look back and say, well, we're going to be aggressive, throw the football there, ball gets tipped, picked off, and say, and look back and say, my gut was I, I should just be conservative and try to get this game tied after everything that's happened. Yeah. So I, I did kind of, as much as in general – I like aggressive thought processes. I thought Beamer for a first-year head coach in game two, knowing how things are playing out, actually managed this game pretty daggum well. Yeah, and I think the best example of that – now, they the players had to go actually execute this, right? But the, the staff and the players, they share in that, uh, in that responsibility and in the praise if it works out that four-minute offense to end the game. They go down – they, they put together a drive, um, three seconds left on the clock. Parker White kicks a field goal. ECU doesn't get the ball from, four, what, four minutes on to end the game. And, and you go out, you, you have the game tied, you go out, you win it, there's no time left. So that's about as good as you can do it. But, yeah, look, I, I think there, there were a lot of negatives offensively in this game. There's no doubt. I do think one positive less is – especially given how things went. Did the running game work very well? Not really. But they did stick with it. That has to be said. It's always a talking point. Every year something happens. They've been in the run too early. 
right? And then you start trying to pass the ball. It doesn't work, and you don't move the ball whatsoever. You put your defense in bad places. I'm having, like, Spurrier error yeah. flashbacks. As, as fun as it was having Spurrier here, how many times did South Carolina get down in the game? Yeah. And that was, like, the storyline after. Abandoned the run. Abandoned the run. Would be, he would get so frustrated. Yeah. He'd be like, no, we're throwing nah, the ball. Just, just throw it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just – so – they did stick with it, and at the end of the game, it did pay off. Now, we might have been sitting here and it didn't work. Oh, why didn't they start passing the ball? Why aren't they good passing the ball? But I, I do think they deserve some credit for sticking with it. And, and look, Wes, we're being honest. They're going to have to stick with the run the whole rest of the season. They are going to have to force feed, establish the run, because if they don't, this offense doesn't have a great chance of being successful. Yeah, and I, I, I think at some point – you maybe have to start to look at whittling that rotation down and running back a little, which is is tough, tough to say because who who yeah. who's it going to be? You yeah, know? but but I I think Kevin Harris and and Kevin Harris the, the the worst one of the worst tweets of the week was this guy talking about Kevin tweeted me was like Kevin Harris uh, is going to transfer because you know because Juju's getting the ball at the end. I'm like, dude. First of all, Kevin Harris is not as soft as you. Like, he's not going to be – like, he's not going to leave because the rotation didn't go his way the very first game he was back very first from having back. back surgery. Right. But ultimately, is is Kevin a guy that we've seen sort of just pounds away at teams and gets better and better as games go on? Yeah. Yeah, so yes. I, I think once Kevin, once Kevin gets help, like, he's healthy, don't get me wrong. Once he gets back into completely game shape, I think given a game where you just say, look, Kevin, we're giving you the ball 20 times and we're rotating somebody else in, uh, that that may, be, that may be part of it. You know, like it may be that you find three, three bats and I don't know what you do with the other one, but, you know, but – but there's got to be a rhythm to the offense, and I'm not. I'm not even saying that's the answer, Chris. I'm more thinking out loud of what are some possible tweaks we can see moving forward um, that could maybe get this running game going. Because you're right, man. If the running game doesn't get going, um, they ain't gonna be it's many gonna, dubs. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tough to win. I mean, you, there there are a couple that you can point to and say. South Carolina could have an ECU-esque performance and, and go win a couple games, but beyond a couple, not really. You know, so they got to get it on track. I, I don't know the answer. I, I, I can see your point about whittling the running back rotation. Part of me thinks, can they sustain playing each guy, what has it been, 12 to 20 snaps each, depending on the first two games, if they can, you know, get some more explosive runs going. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. What I do know is passing game has to open up a little bit, and then schematically in the run game, I think they've got to find a way to do some things to throw some defenses more off balance, give these guys some, some open space, because each one of the running backs, each of the four, I think not even just in theory, but they've shown either in, in whole Kevin Harris or in part with White, McDowell, Lloyd, McDowell and Lloyd have even smaller sample sizes that they can make some things happen, but they do need at least a sliver of space in order to do that. No doubt. I, uh, by the way, very, very, very small sample size. 
but I saw some bursts from Amari and Brown and his uh, limited opportunities. Um, he made a bad cut on one of those. On the, they, they've made a little bit of an effort this week, it seemed like, to get him the ball in space. And he there's a block that was missed. You know, you remember the one where they motioned him all the way out yeah. and just swung the ball out to him? Um, if that one block gets made or he cuts a different way, there's a lot of room on that one. And they actually got him the ball a little quick hitter on the outside as well where he, he got forward for, for some decent yardage. I got a feeling we maybe see him be a bigger part of the offense as this season goes on. Um, it's going to do it for today, I think. Uh, we've got, obviously, show every day this week. We'll have, uh, hopefully, our friends at uh, UGA Sports will, uh, will be on. We'll uh, for that. Get Roddy or one of those guys to come on. They'll be great. They always uh, come on and help us out, I think. Kirby on. I'm just Kirby kidding. on Wednesday. Uh, we do what, who, when, and, and who is sending the obligatory requests so that it can be denied. Am I going to fall on the sword for that? That's you. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. We'll get that in. We'll let you know when it's denied. Time of death. Yes. <laughs> uh, Kirby is going to say no, but all you can do is ask. All you can do is ask. We've um, had a good streak for a week. Come check out Primal Gourmet, by the way. Uh, I, I just got handed something by, by Valerie here from Primal Gourmet. This is a stack, and, and I suppose that I'm just going to start handing these out to people, Wes, to let them know about Primal. These are also, among other things that you can get at Primal, this is a punch card where when you come in, you can buy a plate or bowl. You buy nine, you get one free. But, dude, Preston Thorne, he's in here so regularly that Greg was just saying, yeah, Preston's in here all the time, and then he, he, he walks in. in. So It's like he heard his name. They, they have a lot of regulars here. If you come here, I think you'll be a regular. But the cool thing is Gamecock Central's promo code, primalgourmetsc.com. You can go there, GCOC20, GCOC20, get 20% off your first order of Primal. So you can check out their uh, their full menu, get your meal plan, healthy, delicious food. It's been fun out here today. Yep, and they are at 725 Meeting Street, West Columbia, South Carolina. Um, if you, again, if you want to eat here, that is an option for you. Just come in and get lunch. But a huge part of their business is the meal prep part, um, which I frankly need to take advantage of yes. based on yes. what I've been eating lately. Yes, I agree. Um, I need to take massive advantage of that. So, all right. Appreciate it, y'all. Uh, he's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll be back tomorrow again. Tuesday shows are usually about 2.30. We'll have comments. Uh, We'll be talking about Beamer's comments uh, in his press conference, player comments as well. Appreciate the support as always. Appreciate Primal Gourmet. Appreciate Clint Hammond. Appreciate Dead Soxie. We appreciate you. Y'all have a good one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumboCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.